All right, my name is Matt Barr and you're listening to episode 40 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. Yeah, it's my podcast where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks as ever for listening to this one. Hope you enjoy it. So if you're a regular, you might recall my little trip to Ireland last autumn, uh, autumn 2017 I'm talking about. When I ticked off a few episodes and wrapped them all together as uh, my special Irish omnibus, in which case consider this the first part of uh, my special Swiss omnibus recorded during my recent trip to Switzerland for the British Ski and Snowboard Championships. And uh, as I alluded to a couple of times recently while I was there, I took care of a few podcasts. So, And this instalment is a big moment for the pod actually, as I finally got a skier on the show. Yep, for this one. I sat down with the legendary Paddy Graham for a chinwag. If you don't know, Paddy's a free skier, part of the renowned Legs of Steel production team, generally considered to be one of Europe's best loved and most creative and progressive skiers. And as you're going to hear, I actually go way back with Paddy, first meeting him back in 2005 when we headed off on a three-week road trip around Colorado and Utah with a huge uh, group of people that included... Looking Sideways guests Ed Lee and Christian Stevenson, as well as uh, skier Murray Buchan, TV presenters Tim and Gendall, snowboarder Ben Kilner, and way too many more to mention here, although we do get into that during our conversation. And uh, since then, we don't run into each other that often, but when we do, it's always great to catch up, which is how it was here when I grabbed him at the British Champs and, uh, and yeah, thought I'd sit him down and see how he's getting on. So if you're thinking the name rings a bell, that might be because of Paddy's uh, escapade about a year ago, which was the latest and biggest ever Legs of Steel stunt, which saw the boys uh, construct a 46-metre jump with the stated goal of aiming for four seconds of airtime. Now, to put that into perspective, as Paddy explains, most jumps in the 20 to 25-metre range offer up to uh, three seconds of airtime. So this was going to be really groundbreaking stuff in the classic creative legs of steel tradition uh, and you might have seen it because tim warwood did a feature on it for ski sunday but if you haven't then check the show notes because uh, it'll be up there and that's a great piece that really contextualizes this whole thing really well and covers what happened to paddy after he uh, overshot the landing and busted his acl and broke his ankle now naturally we kick things off by discussing that and it's a really fantastic insight into how a project like this come comes together and that's the theme of the interview generally really yeah, this one's a brilliant look into the reality of life as a top action sports pro. All narrated with absolute casualness by one of the coolest cats in the game, really. Because uh, as you're going to hear, Paddy is the very model of a modern action sports pro. Yeah, he's a sick skier, but he's also a producer, a networker, a hustler, a creative, an organiser, and, and an entrepreneur, really. And he's an embodiment of what you need to be as an athlete these days if you want to succeed in that game how ambitious you need to be, how hard you have to work, which is another theme that comes through. And it's a great lesson. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, but unless you're prepared to to knuckle down and do the work, you're just not going to succeed. And I think we all know that's true, whether you're a musician, a skier, a writer, or yes, even a, a humble podcast maker. So this episode, as I say, just a brilliant lesson in the realities of the life these athletes lead. I mean, just listen as Paddy dispassionately lists the injuries he sustained over the course of his career. And he's only 30, let's remember. He's equally matter-of-fact when it comes to discussing the experience of hitting a 46-metre jump. But don't be fooled by Paddy's uh, hyper-laid-back demeanour 
beneath this extreme likability and affability, there's one shrewd operator. And this was really the conversation I wanted to have with Paddy. Like I said, I've known him since he was a kid and I've watched him afar as he's gone on to have a really unique career. And one that's actually quite separate from the classic path of UK professional action sports athletes, even though he did start out with the classic UK upbringing, ski village, indoor, and then taking it further. What I wanted to know is though, how intentional was his career path? Did he always have these kind of European ambitions to transcend the limitations of the UK scene? Because he did he did go in a different direction from peers such as Murray Buchan. And yeah, in the end, we discussed that and it was brilliant to hear how he made it all happen. So uh, yeah, top episode this. with one of the brightest talents in European action sports and definitely one of my favourite people in European action sports. So yeah, here it is. Paddy Grain on the camaraderie of skiing. Enjoy. How's that? Are you going to hold it there? Yeah, where do you want me to hold it? Yeah, there you go. It's Just all there. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm, I'm with great. Paddy. we Paddy Graham. We're sat by the road in Lax. So there's probably going to be a little bit of uh, background noise, but I'm sure we can all cope with that. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great, yeah. Been a nice season. Yeah. And it's slowly coming to an end. I yeah, guess. yeah. Um, you've hurt your knee, haven't you? I have. I um, Well, I hurt my knee quite seriously at the end of last season. Yeah. And then um, just a week ago, didn't crash or anything, just uh, just a landing. It just felt a bit weird. Right. And um, been resting since then for a week. Yeah. So um, probably good. Might as well start with that then. Might as well start with the, the knee and the jump, even though it's been, you know, well documented, obviously. But yeah, you, you did... Yeah, I mean, you do your ACL. Is that what you did? Yeah, we. Um, so go on, talk us through that. So you, you, you obviously built yeah. the, the mega, the mega <laughs> kicker. So it was we, we wanted to build a jump to have four seconds of airtime, which would be the most airtime ever of, uh, on a jump. Um, this is you and your legs of steel. Yeah, um, me and me and like I've lived with some guys, or we we have a. When I moved to Innsbruck. Uh, a few years ago I moved into a house of some friends and we started making ski movies together and that was called Legs of Steel yeah and that's uh, progressed into a like a production company now um, and yeah we had a, an idea to yeah make a big jump yeah so uh, so and the idea was to to have the biggest like the the biggest ever amount of airtime that was that was the yeah that was the point you started from and worked backwards basically yeah exactly like i guess a normal a normal park jump is or a big park jump is like about 3 seconds yeah and we said well why not push that and go 4 seconds and it's a re- it's a nice it's easy to explain to sponsors and yeah right you know. i see yeah that's true isn't it because people can kind of get their head around that yeah because that's a bit of an issue when you're trying to explain you know feats like this isn't it it's yeah all, it'll exactly. get a bit complex doesn't it and a bit you know but um difficult to convey why it's why it's so impressive or dangerous i guess yeah uh, uh, and it was a huge project like we spent i don't know two years looking looking for a location and talking to the shape company and everything like that and uh yeah we worked with motolino 
Livigno. Livigno. They're quite yeah. up for it, aren't they? Yeah, they, they used to host the Nine Nights competitions there. Yeah. So we kind of already knew them, and then we were there with Billy when he did his did the quad. His quad yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because you were involved with that, weren't you? It was, that was yeah. your jumping fight, wasn't it? Was well, it was, it was the Nine Nights jump, and I was like, oh, I'll come with you to some support or whatever yeah and then i had to check the jump in for him right how you went <laughs> and i went way too big right <laughs> as well right um because i'd i'd obviously hit the jump the week before and then, yeah so um but yeah that was cool so it was like kind of a familiar location uh livigno and um yeah they were really cooperative and yeah obviously easy to explain to them what we wanted to do yeah and they yeah basically we built the biggest pile of snow ever yeah and yeah, i mean it's, it's made a jump on it <laughs> so on a, th- a three meter airtime, how big's that jump um so like you know your classic sort of yeah it was 40 about 46 meters to the knuckle this is your jump yeah. this is your four second yeah that was my jump um, oh I, a three second yeah jump. so just to compare a three second it, jump like, okay uh would be probably probably a 20 meter jump um and I, I, yeah, I don't know. You, I guess you, depending on the size, like the size of it, you probably go maybe five meters in the air. Okay. I guess. So you went forty meters. So, so the one we made was pretty much double that, and it was yeah forty-six meters to the landing. We had a windsock next to the jump, and that was up at ten meters, and we were above that uh, right. when we jumped. Yeah. And did um, you did you have to experiment with like the trajectory of of that or yeah well did like Schneestern who built the jump they they they've got some like I don't know computer program or something that kind of uses uh, physics and general you know the normal right uh, laws of yeah of, yeah so they gravity can, and everything <coughs> they so they can, can kind of predict it yeah yeah so yeah. they can actually use maths to sort of say yeah right, right here's where you, here's where you need to land here's how fast you gotta go and but it always changes though because like they that doesn't account for any wind or like your clothes and yeah you know things like that or how you pop on the jump and whatever so they gave us like a they were like all right you need to hit the jump at uh what was it like 80 80 kilometers you need to take off at right 80 kilometers per hour just that so yeah we the jump originally the jump we wanted it to be a hip so we could build up to to jump in straight over it and it didn't really like we built the hip but it didn't really work it was i mean we hit it to the side to like i don't know 15 meters right but then it didn't it didn't work anymore just because of like spacing and everything and then we just had yeah just had to try it so how long <laughs> were you on site doing this whole project then um it sounds like you had to do a lot of experimentation you know to, to yeah first to first time i went there was um it was at new year right um so that was new year 2017 and then i went back to the ski resort three times throughout the year just to like you know chat to the marketing people and yeah and see how they'd started pushing snow and everything um and then once the project came around we were there for two weeks right so how many so you had Lavinio involved i'm guessing you had your sponsors involved was that a big part of the project 
getting people to to help pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like the you know, it costs a lot of money to do it. Yeah, and um, can't imagine that's cheap building a forty meter jump. Really, no. I, it, I I mean, the whole project was you know over over a hundred thousand euros. Right. So you obviously got to find people to pay for that. Yeah. So I I, I took that to Red Bull and said, look, I want to do this, and they said, well, that sounds pretty amazing. It's what we're into. Yeah. So they uh, they were the main main backers of the project really yeah and who else did you have involved um then um yeah Mottolino obviously they were yeah they were involved and then uh Red Bull brought in another partner uh called Lab Series okay that was a mo- um, male moisturizing oh <laughs> yeah that's those ads didn't it where you get the little packets in the in the magazines yeah, I think isn't I don't it? Even, I'm not really sure right. what it was wow that's quite a Red Bull and male moisturizer yeah. the dream combo <laughs> <laughs> right so they've got them on board yeah so they, they yeah they they put up the big bucks to uh to do the project yeah and it was it was really hard though because like it was at the end of the season it was in May yeah so the whole winter I was waiting to do this project so I was like oh can't get hurt before that yeah because there's so much riding on it you know um so it was really uh it was a weird winter to to do it right so was it um i think we're gonna hear that recycling quite a lot during this um so was it weird because you were just felt you were waiting to do that essentially yeah, and yeah. you were holding back because you didn't want to get hurt so it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, exactly. a normal riding winter basically yeah it'd be like everything you did was like ooh yeah. God, don't do that because if you hurt yourself then you're not going to be able to do the project and and yeah so you have to do like take a few physical precautions what about mentally how is it preparing for something like that because um, you've been you know you, you talk about it quite casually but obviously it's no small thing deciding you're going to yeah I mean for me it was ju- it was just another jump really you know yeah um that's what the way i saw it i mean it's big jump we've hit big jumps before and yeah it was just another one it was just like the fact that you know on site there was maybe like i don't know 21 people yeah film crews and tim was there with ski sunday and then all the shapers and you know like people from red bull and whatever and it was like quite nerve-wracking yeah because like the pressure was on yeah you have to do it yeah um so yeah, we did it. Uh, anyway, we we did it one day. Um, I tested it in, and it went really well. Yeah, it was good. Uh, three of us hit it, so I went first, and then my friend Lucas he went, he went quite big, and crashed, and then the third guy he, he got it perfect. Tom, right? Tom Rich. Um, and after that, like the wind picked up, and we're like, right, it's so big you have everything has to be perfect yeah so the the wind picked up and we're like right let's call it you know we fit it we felt you know we know what it feels like let's not take any risks and then it was bad weather for a few days and then we went up and um and it was like cloudy and a bit of sun you know like window shopping you call it yeah yeah. waiting for breaking the clouds and then the sun comes out yeah and I was like, "All right, I've done it, and I'll uh, I'll do it again. I just want to kind of get it over with." There right. was only only me and uh, me and Tom were at the top. There was like seven riders, I think. Yeah, three of us hit it the first day, and then this next day when we went to it, it was just two of us. Yeah, other guys were sat down there watching. 
and that day actually I'd got like some GPS tracking device on me as well right. because uh, they wanted to like measure everything yeah um, that'll be the moisturiser boys yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, go get the GPS out lads come on yeah and th- but then yeah I hit it that day and yeah I was just going too fast right but not like I think you know maybe like five miles an hour faster than the day before did you f- did you know that on the running yeah right I could like as soon as I got to the point of no return right I was like oh no right and there's no obviously nothing yeah, you can do just gotta, gotta do it and I found out after that the jump wasn't as steep as the first day either what because it had melted or it something? melted a bit and they hadn't shaped uh, oh right okay shaped it the same so there you go that little fine margin yeah tiny little thing uh, so yeah I overshot the thing right and luckily I'd yeah, didn't come out too bad. Like I yeah, blew my knee and uh, broke my uh, ankle. Um, but yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Really. Well, lucky. I'll obviously bang the clip up because there is a full. Do they show it in the Ski Sunday feature? Uh, yeah, it's on. It's on uh, Rebel. Yeah. TV as well. So the obvious question, really, what what were you thinking when you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you were when you were how high 10 meters up thinking yeah oh shit i've gone a bit big yeah so i was the distance from the peak of my jump to the to where i landed it was about 30 meters wow down i mean we're we're like i mean that's that's higher than that isn't it we're looking yeah. at the rocks resorts and that's five stories yeah so that's a bit bit higher than bit that, higher than that. Um, yeah. yeah and you won't want to jump off that and then i went probably about 60 meters in distance yeah and and the thing is is because i the reason i fell down so far is because we made the landing as steep as possible yeah uh so there wouldn't be much impact to sort of mitigate that risk yeah yeah um and obviously with that it means if you go a bit big then you, then you fall then you, a long way down yeah yeah you haven't got any room for error on, yeah. on that level have you <coughs> excuse me basically but now I was, I was like as soon as I left the jump I was like oh, shit I'm going too fast and then I was like up in the air and I was just like oh my god like just looking down the whole and I was like I hope I catch right some tranny and um and then I was swearing up there. <laughs> I got a mic on as well, so right. I was like, "Yeah, it was it was pretty scary." Yeah, I'm but sure. I was I was still I was I just had to be like quite composed though, because I was like, "Right, I need to land on my feet." Yeah. So just hold it together and then see what happens. Um, Which is why you say you were lucky, basically, because yeah. obviously if you land yeah. on your back or your Side, neck or yeah. like, yeah, because yeah, I mean. Yeah, Sasha's injuries are all because he landed on his side, aren't they? You know, like that. Yeah. So, seems a funny thing to say to say you got away got away with one, really. Yeah. Considering that, but yeah, you, I guess you did, really, didn't you? Yeah. So you broke your ankle and you blew your knee. So what you yeah. did your ACL? Um, yeah. Well, it was my meniscus was the main main thing that was up, and uh, when I had the surgery, she was like, "Yeah, the ACL, the ACL didn't look that good, so we did it anyway." Um, really? Yeah, because it, it was it's the second time I've done it. Um, in the last like four years, yeah, because you had it before Sochi, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Well, no, 2011, right? I did it, and then, and then I hurt it again just after, and uh, and I had an MRI, and the the doctors were like, "Oh yeah, you don't have an ACL." Right. And I was like, "Oh, that's weird," because 
don't know. remember that going. <laughs> um, so I've beat yes the last like four years, I guess. I don't know if I had an ACL or not. Right. Wow. Okay. And you, you, it's not like you've been slowing down. No, no, no. <laughs> In that time. Right. Yeah. So that was nearly a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. What, the summer, obviously, full rehab. Yeah, full rehab. We were producing a movie at the time as well. So we were like... This is you and the Legs of Steel yeah. production yeah, so we were, company that you, you have. Yeah, we were full on. I was going to the gym every day um, or going to the physio every day, come back and then sit on the computer and we'd be working away uh, on this movie. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of good that I was... Occupied. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, and then were you skiing at the start of this, this season? Yeah, I started skiing in November. So, um, what's that, six months after. Right. Uh, which is was amazing. Um, good result, really. Yeah, it was really good. And I mean, you know, I wasn't skiing 100% straight away. It took a while to get into it and keep, keep training and whatever. Um, but yeah, by January, I guess... I was, I'd say, I was at like ninety-five percent. Yeah, and um, and it just snowed so much this year, and it was, I was, yeah, you didn't even think about it. You look anymore. like you've had a good winter from what yeah. I've seen. But you yeah, just tweaked amazing. it again. Yeah, I don't know what I did. Didn't fall or anything. Just yeah, landed a bit funny and right. I don't know what's up with it. Yeah. So you, what you're gonna do? Just rest it until it feels better. Um. Yeah. Well, I went skiing yesterday, and I can, I can ski, but it's like, I don't know. It's a bit weird. So I'm gonna go see my physio tomorrow. Um, and then yeah, if it doesn't doesn't get any better, then I have to go see the doctor. Again. Yeah, get another MRI or something. Yeah. Right. Well, so legs of steel you've mentioned a few times, which is how, so. How long? It's you. Who's who's the key people in that then? Um, there's myself. Yeah. Toby Rindle, uh Benny Meyer. Yeah. Thomas Levitchka. We were the original four guys that started it. And are you guys still the main main people involved in it? Yeah, so now um, there's me and uh, and Toby and then Sven Kunle. He's another... Uh, they're, they're Germans. Yeah. Um, and Sven, he skied with us forever. And he, uh, he became part of the company. Benny left. Uh, and then Thomas, uh, he doesn't ski that much anymore. And he's... I mean, he's still part of it, but he's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not around. So, and did it evolve into the production company that it is now? Or did you, did it, you know, did it, be, was it, was that why you all got together? I mean, I know you skied together for years and I know you're yeah. all old friends, obviously, but just, yeah, it, it's now like a pretty, it's a pretty key sort of company, isn't it? Yeah. In, in skiing, you know, like. Yeah, you, it's you, good. Like, because we started making the movie, making movies under that name and then down the line people are like oh could you make us something because usually we'd make it for ourselves right yeah and then you know people are like oh can you come and do this or do that and then yes yeah, i mean it's kind of setting us up or setting me up for something to do after uh or when i don't ski as much i guess yeah so you're involved in the whole process it sounds like you are from what you just explained but producing and yeah directing yeah, you know, yeah. not what? not not as much direction right. <laughs> direction directing um but yeah, producing stuff, uh, yeah, making sure everything yeah. runs smoothly, and I it's I mean it's work, isn't it? Like yeah, I don't yeah. mind doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing you learn in this game, isn't it? From yeah. quite an early age, if you want to 
do what you want to do. Yeah, I haven't, I'll got to do mind, the work. I don't mind carrying around banners and putting things up and climbing on ladders. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, the other thing to say about Legs of Steel is it's it's really creative in in so far as the ideas that you lot come up with. You know, yeah. you, you you'd certainly whether it's a concept for a jump and there's been a few of them, you mm-hmm. know, or it's like a different way of having a ski film, like yeah. a, you know, like a different narrative. Yeah, we know. always tried to make tried to make everything different. Yeah. Uh, so where where'd that come from? Was that just to please yourselves? Yeah, or? just to stand out from the crowd. Like the first movie we did we actually the first time we had a full time filmer for the first time and he was a um a mountain bike filmer. So he was had a different perspective on yeah skiing and like filming skiing than everyone else. So it was already a bit different and he was he's a really talented guy. Uh, Andre Nutini, his name is. Yeah. Um, and he just worked on uh, a movie called Life Cycles, and that's like a really cool uh, bike movie. Um, and they'd been using red cameras, and and he was like, right, yeah, we need to get this red camera because like it's like a you know a cinema ca- camera, yeah, Hollywood camera investment, and, and we can use it. Yeah. And we we're like, all right, you know, to stand out even further from the rest of the crowd all right let's film everything on these reds and make it all look amazing so you bought one basically yeah you, you, you yeah. made the investment and yeah yeah so you back you, you know you back yourselves from the start really like with the ideas and the and the try because i'm guessing you'd previously worked with other companies and and made and been involved in different projects and yeah and we like that the reason why we started doing it we were just like well we want to make a ski movie um and be in charge of it. Yeah. We want to use music that we like. Yeah. We want Creative to that see, you want. Yeah, yeah. You want to see the tricks in there that you did and yeah. not just go out filming all winter and then you go to a premiere in uh, October and then you watch, see a section for the first time. Yeah. So we were like, let's just do it ourselves, basically. You know? That's the model in it, really. Yeah. That's the traditional model. The, yeah. You, you, you turn up, de-filming, don't yeah. get any input. Yeah, exactly. Maybe tell them what song you want and then they don't use it yeah <laughs> yeah and all that right so what's next for legs of steel um because it always seems to be bigger and better yeah you know? it's well yeah we kind of shot ourselves in the foot uh shot myself in the knee like that, <laughs> right? um, but yeah at the moment like we've been doing smaller projects throughout the year rather than doing a feature film yeah um and yeah we just We've been doing a bit of work, yeah, like as for clients, we did a, a shoot for Visa and... Oh, you doing commercial stuff, yeah. basically, right? And I mean, it's cool doing that. I mean, you know, you make some money, but I mean, we really like making our own films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just getting super tough. Like, I don't know if, like the last movie we did, you know, people like the attention span for people to to watch a whole movie these days so, especially so, so kids explain the the last film then uh the last film was um what was it like nine i think it's 72 minutes maybe right so just over an hour of skiing and uh three covers three stories of ski racing yeah uh free riding yeah. in alaska and building this jump uh same difference so it's a bit of a documentary um and it was it's one of yeah i really like the mo- movie and everything 
and uh, but you know you you go and do your premieres and whatever and and you hype it up and you put it online and everything like that and yeah I don't know like kids are like oh it's too long really like I'm or I skip through I skip through the ski racing bit just to watch this bit and right and now I don't know it's really hard to to see where like ski movies going right and if it's worth to make another ski movie yeah I mean that's a common thing these days isn't it really you know it's so everything's so quick so short yeah your films always seem to me they follow in that sort of there's like a history of ski films isn't there we, we were talking about Greg Stump earlier like where there is like a narrative there is an unusual way of presenting it and you you seem to like you guys seem to to sort of conscious not con- maybe not consciously but like definitely be in that tradition if you mm-hmm. like of having those um and those things were quite you know some of them were quite out there some of them were quite like difficult to get your head around and yeah you know i guess if you i always think if enough people get it you know you're never gonna you're never gonna get everybody appreciating it are you and you know if enough people are into it then maybe it, it is worth it you know yeah i mean it's nice to work on a project for so long and then at the end of the year you present it to everyone and people watch it and they say oh it's amazing like really nice to watch and entertained and with the last movie we tried to make it a bit for a broader audience you know for like so my mum and dad can sit down and watch it and they get it yeah rather than it's just like ski porn trick Um, trick trick yeah yeah so that was a bit different but I mean like a good old you can't beat a good old ski movie can you no well that's what the that's what the industry <coughs> has always revolved around, isn't it? Basically, yeah. progression, tricks. But I think there's room for it all, though. I think I think that there's got to be because there is so much. I mean, it's the word of the day, and it content. You know, yeah. so much stuff out there that that I, I don't know. I think it's a good thing what you guys are doing because it is a little bit different from, yeah, from the I'd rest of it. There's enough ski porn out there, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. You know? I was I was on a shoot uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I met. Um, a filmer Jake I think he's called Jake Price maybe okay. he made the uh, the Vans the uh, the new Vans movie is it uh, Frontline I haven't, or I haven't seen it actually it's good um, I, I, I started watching it I didn't finish it there because my attention span's not there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no he, he filmed they made the, the, the latest uh Vans movies all filmed on 16 mil right. again um, and I mean that's where ski movies were uh, you know 15 years ago yeah like they were all everything was done on shot on 16 mil and yeah, then yeah snowboard films as well yeah and so that got me thinking like oh that'd be pretty cool like to go out filming and you know shoot on film and you don't know, see it and sort of see where it comes from it's a lot more arty yeah and on on this shoot it was an O'Neill shoot actually and it was like They've got like a um, art di- art director there for yeah. the brand, and they got a director to come to shoot the video uh, content that we did. Right, and they were really arty and so different to anything you know that you're used to working with. And I was like, all right, well, why don't we like make something weird? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be cool to do that next year. I think. Yeah. Uh, make something a bit more arty or just a bit different to yeah, yeah. what you see everywhere yeah so what ski films have inspired you recently um i don't know i don't have to be honest i don't really watch that many ski films no how about um, how about other 
I mean, do you watch? Do you watch? Any, do you, you know, do you watch surf films or like? Do you? Yeah, not 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 too many. Like, I mean, when if there is stuff on, then I'll watch it. But yeah, but not like super. Yeah, no, I'm like the the people that I'm like criticizing. I'm one of them. Right. <laughs> I'll sit there and watch YouTube videos or yeah, sit on my phone and look at Instagram or whatever. Well, that's what everyone does these days, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I love like Candide stuff that he does. Yeah. Uh, his latest film, the uh, <laughs> Ski Around the World. Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. Wasn't it was crazy. It? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I looked at that as well. I just wonder how much money was involved in that I mean it just it's, it's mm-hmm. all out on the screen isn't it you know but he does deliver every time doesn't he yeah. and it's consistently again like really creative isn't it you know the way it, there's always a new idea mm. yeah I mean like he's uh, I mean how old is he he's like 30 mid 30s I guess yeah and uh, been he's won every competition and wowed everyone with so many videos and then he makes a video with no snow in it, but yeah. he's skiing, you know, like yeah, yeah. That shows the the power of you know being creative and yeah, stepping out the box, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So how did um, I guess it would be a good point to talk about how you you know how you started and how you ended up in this position because you you know you're from Sheffield, aren't you? you and you you grew up right in Dry Slope. Yeah. So it's quite a long long way to go, you know. So. <laughs> When when did you first start skiing? Um, I learned to ski. Uh, I think I was eleven, like going up into uh, high school before I went to the comprehensive school. Right. Um, uh, yeah, at the dry ski slope in Sheffield, and like growing up in Sheffield, you always knew that the ski slope was there because it was like, yeah. you, know, you can see it everywhere. I used to live in Sheffield, and, yeah, and it was like so visible, wasn't it? it was yeah, and, uh, and my dad skied a little bit when he was younger and, and my mum skied once or twice. So it was like, oh, let's I'll give it a go. And obviously you have school school trips uh, when you get to, the, get to the secondary school. So yeah, started then and um, yeah, learn and then kept doing it I don't know I just really enjoyed it yeah it's really fun so that was quite a seminal scene really wasn't it back then you know that was the heyday of the ski village wasn't it which obviously yeah. is now I mean it's such a such a shame what's happened to that that place because you know so you would have been there when the pipe was there right and yeah well when I first started I remember like that summer when I was sort of going often then uh, the AIM series came. yeah right okay Right. And it was only snowboarding. Right, and right. And then you got to see, you know, go out, pick up a load of stickers, watch people. Right, so you were going you were going to those events. Yeah. and uh, well, It was a real hub of the community as well, the ski village, wasn't it? Because there was, there was always stuff going on up there. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they used to do Sheffield Freeze every year. They'd yeah. like ski comp and snowboard comp. Um, and then they'd have like big music festivals and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they'd get like people like pro riders from Europe to come over yeah uh, and do like demos and things like that and yeah it was it was really cool and a really good scene there and um, yeah everyone was really friendly like skiers snowboarders everyone just rode together yeah and still do like you know met Andy Bennett there yeah uh, and Becky and you know still hanging out with him today and Woodsy was around was he yeah Woodsy was a bit younger well he's a bit younger than me so by the time he was sort of uh, coming up I'd already sort of didn't go to the ski slope that much anymore because once you go away 
skiing on snow, then you're like, oh, yeah, ski. You know, the ski skiing on plastic isn't that good, and no. like, you know. So by that time, yeah, I wasn't going as often. So, but when you were a kid, you were you were up there basically. You know, once you got into it, you were every every Thursday night and every Saturday I'd go. Yeah, my dad must have driven me. I don't know how many times, but right. <laughs> yeah. And then did you start competing as well? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, started doing like those local comps there, um, and then I went to the to a snow dome for the first time, Milton right. Keynes. Yeah, yeah. That was my first time on snow. Classic UK upbringing, this, isn't it? Um, Brilliant. Yeah, and th- and that was really cool because they they built this jump, and I just remember it being like, oh my god, this is massive, this is right. crazy. Pat Sharples was there, Switch 360s, yeah. Glenn Parsons, legends, uh, Jim Adlington, yeah, like yeah, all those guys that you, see, you used to see in Four Line magazine. Yeah, and, I mean, like proper yeah. legends. Yeah. So yeah, it was really cool, and kept doing that. And then I got picked up by um, Line Skis, um, and there was a guy running that, Matt Darcy. He was uh, from Brighton, or he's based in Brighton, and he distributed Line Skis in the UK. And he started this team, right? Uh, and basically, yeah, got all the best guys. And he used to take us, take us around to ski slopes, to the competitions, and we go and do demos and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So what what age was this? Uh, 14, I think. Right. So you're still at school? Yeah. Yeah. And then, presumably, you thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to leave, you know, quit school and, well, leave leave school and go and, go go skiing. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I liked school and everything, but I did my GCSEs and, um, like, was, had good results and whatever. And then, um, my friend... Uh, Bungle uh, he was like oh you should come do a season you know you finish school now and it's like oh yeah well, I'm going to go to sixth form and blah blah and he's like no no you should come do a season and uh, at the time uh, Noddy Gowans he uh, Bungle was going to go to Sir Chevalier uh, to stay with Noddy basically and then Noddy was like oh we're going to make a TV show right um so if you if you're gonna come out, then you can be part of this TV show. What was that then? Uh, that was called Snow Patrol, and it was on the Discovery Channel. Right. I think. I don't know if I remember that. Um, and that and basically, so that opportunity came up, and I remember I think my my dad talked to Bungle about it or talked to Noddy and whatever. And, right. And they were like, "Oh, this is you know this could actually be quite cool." And I remember my parents sent me to school to talk to the head of sixth form. And uh, and I was like, yeah, this is what's happening and whatever. And and they were like, yeah, well, you know, take a year off and then you can come back to school after if you want to. Right. Um, but basically they That's were like... That's pretty understanding, isn't it? Yeah, but basically they were like, go and do it. Like Really? Yeah, like get out there, like just... Yeah, go and just go and ha- do it. Like you can always come back to school. That's really supportive, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I was like, walked out of there like, yeah, <laughs> all right, no I more school for me. <laughs> I bet you did. That's amazing. So they were they just backed you. Yeah, basically. And yeah, I mean, end of uh, so we went and did that, filmed that year. That was the first season, and then at the end of the year, we went on the Groms tour. Yeah, yeah, which we did together. Yeah, first time we met. So you were uh, seventeen. Seventeen then, yeah. Yeah, and I mean that was really cool as well because, I mean the ski, I mean ski scene and snowboard scene uh, together, but 
the snowboarding scene everyone looked up to that as skiers and they got like the the uh, TSA movies that yeah. Tim and Gendel used to do yeah yeah so I, like I think it was Up Dog yeah I had yeah that, I used to have that on like repeat <laughs> on the DVD well, they were they were I mean they were brilliant those films I mean they were su- such like great snapshots aren't they at yeah. that time you know? yeah it was really cool and again like such humour in them and create they, they were creative every time again weren't I they I think yeah. you had a, a aha music video we did there. have yeah. a, an aha music video in, one in Chamonix or somewhere yeah kind of yeah. kind of hoping that didn't see the light there. <laughs> <laughs> nah <laughs> they were great <laughs> they were great times man and that and that trip we did to the states was a, was a joke when you think back really I mean mm. it was like what three weeks around the Rockies yeah to make that TV show for uh, for Rad wasn't it Rad the yeah, Groms Channel 5. the Groms ride the Rockies yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck knows what I was doing on that trip, to be honest. <laughs> I think Christian Stevenson, the presenter, and friend of the podcast was just a bit like, oh, we need a journalist on this one. <laughs> he just phoned come me. Come out, man. He just, <laughs> just phoned, come out. He just phoned me. It was like, do you, you want to come around the Rockies for three weeks? I was like, yeah, sounds great. But that, that was, but it was unreal, though, because so me and Murray came on that uh, trip as skiers. Murray Buchan, he was 12, wasn't he? Yeah, he was tiny. Um and basically we so me and Murray got like you know put into the this snowboard scene yeah and we were with Laura Berry James Carr Kilner uh, Kilner and yeah. like uh, Tim was there you were there Sean Ed yeah. Gendel Gan turned up um, Wayne Yates yeah Jono 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 was there yeah oh, I mean Christian basically got, got everyone involved yeah no it was amazing <laughs> so we, we I was like going from you know watching the snowboard moves and stuff and I was like oh man I'm, now I'm with these guys yeah doing it and it was yeah it was insane we we arrived in Denver and we like went for dinner with the mayor or something yeah yeah no it was brilliant it was brilliant and we um, we did a lot of really random shit on that trip definitely and like drove from Denver to Salt Lake didn't we and yeah you know drove through the desert and went riding every day and and Christian was yeah. Christian was holding co- it all together. Christian was cooking every night, wasn't he? Yeah. Because that was the first time that he told me about his dreams to be uh, a barbecue chef. Actually, oh, on, really? that, on that trip, yeah. Because he was cooking every night, and I was like, I was like, wow, you're you're pretty good at this. And he and he's like, yeah, you know, that's what I'd like to be doing in the end. And here we are. I, just, I remember going to the supermarket with him once, and he was like, all right, go and get this and this and this. And he's like, yeah, go get some eggs. So I went and got some eggs. And he's like, what are these, man? <laughs> we're, not, we're not eating those. <laughs> and then he, yeah, I don't know. But he really, like, yeah, switched us on, I think, to a lot of things on that trip. Yeah, kids, it like, was, I bet. I mean, you know, to, for you and, like, James Carr was on it as well, wasn't he? Mm. And James was 16, you were 17, Murray was 12, Kilner was young as well, wasn't he? Ben, yeah, he ben, would have been about 16. Ben was about 16 yeah. as well. Laura was about 16. And, um, yeah. I mean, Jesus, it was eye-opening for me. I think I was like <laughs> 29 at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, it was cool. good. And we swapped, we swapped, didn't we, for the day? Yeah, we, we, yeah, we swapped skis for snowboards, everyone. Yeah, and Murray threw a wobbler, didn't he? Murray cried because he couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I was the shittest skier. Nothing's changed there. I remember uh, Tim was pretty good at skiing. Tim was really good. Yeah, yeah it just became like a... a, a bloody let's hit the jumps massively but i guess that we went control, it was like the it? last week of the season it yeah, was quite late now yeah. it's quite late it was april yeah no it was great it's great so was that so that was the first one that you did that where you thought oh right like you know this is this this is the world for me essentially yeah yeah and that yeah after that <laughs> like I, then i came to lax actually to do a season after right um i don't think i ever 
Well, we ever spoke about going back to school. No, <laughs> like I was going to say, uh, I'm guessing that that was that. You, didn't, you never actually um, yeah. went back. Yes, yeah, so well, we did that season, went home, worked at Asda right. uh, all summer. Yeah, what, stacking <laughs> shelves? Yeah, uh, checkouts and picking up trolleys. Yeah, and, uh, not wrong with that. Yeah, got some money for that. And then by that time, got a bit of... Got a little bit of cash from sponsors. I don't know, you get like 500 quid off someone or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like UK sort of level, in it. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, came away and did another season. And and then, yeah, we just do as... I came with uh, Slave Monkey, Eddie, Eddie yeah. Thelwell. Yeah, um, what's he doing? He works at Snow and Rock Slave now. Slave Monkey. Yeah, he's got a little girl. It's quite a nickname, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is strong, definitely. But yeah, we came came here with Chris Asquith as well. Have you met Chris? I've met Chris. I don't know him, but he I do was know uh, yeah. he was filming the whole time, and um, even before he came for the season, he always made like ski movies and whatever, and yeah. travel around Europe and just film film his friends. And yeah, we came, we all came and did a season and just skied. And I don't know, like I remember, I couldn't do that many tricks at that time. Right. I mean, I could do some, but not too many. And I remember. Um, just skiing the whole whole went along in the park here and just progressing yeah getting better yeah just loving it <laughs> yeah so one of the things I'm definitely interested in in um, hearing from you is you know your, your career's definitely taken a, a bit of a different path from from like some of your peers especially someone like Murray you know who's who's gone down the uh, you know the Olympic route and the com- the competitive route and you you obviously have competed in your time and you've but you definitely went down a, a completely different path and was that was that a calculated thing or did you did you make a decision because you know let's be honest you probably could have gone to the olympics if you really put your mind to it you know you yeah. could have done that yeah i mean i don't know like for me skiing was always it was it was competitive because i we'd be out here and we'd go to competitions and then you'd see all these guys that you've seen in movies and compete with them if they're German, Austrian or Swiss and you want to beat them. Yeah. Um, and also like for me, it was like being from the UK, it was like, you know, it was like, was it restricting you? Was it making it better? Like all these guys were on like pro teams out in Europe and then I was from the UK and I was like, Oh, well, if I was from, Austria then maybe I'd be on you know that ski team right so that's kind of what you were comparing yourself to yeah so I was basically like right I need to get the sponsors that these guys have right not chase distributors basically. yeah sure okay um, so it was a it was a bit of a a bit of a plan in that sense you yeah thought, yeah definitely yeah right that's interesting um, so you set your sights on that bigger scene yeah I was like right I want to be on the international team at vocal Right, you know, which you are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty much that. I mean, like, never did it f- to make any money. You yeah, know? Like, but, you, you but just, your ambitions were, yeah. were there. And right. I did, I did one competition, uh, the Austrian Free Ski Open. I think I'm not sure what year it was, but I came second at that. And then, then people kind of started to take a bit more notice, I guess, right. of is, what I was up to. Is this about the point you met all the, the lads that you now... Yeah, that was like the first time with. I met met everyone, yeah. Right. Because um, I remember watching your career and definitely 
seeing at one point that you'd made this jump to like the European scene and suddenly, you know, you did have different peers and, yeah. and, and did kind of wonder where that came from a little bit, really. And I mean, I never like left the British scene. Like, No, you were always like fully yeah. involved, yeah. But, you know, you can't just go away, do seasons and then sit on your ass the whole summer and no. you know you have to get out there and network and yeah meet people do and the work like we said yeah and that's what i did i was like right uh, after a few years i was did a season and then go back home and go back out and go like glacier skiing or go down to new zealand or something yeah and then the boys that i was skiing with were like right why don't you just move to innsbruck with us instead of going home after the season right just just stay here and i was like oh that's pretty good idea <laughs> so that's how i ended up uh moving Moving to Innsbruck, um, yeah. So that how old were you then when you when you made that move? Uh, I must have been, I don't know, like twenty one maybe. Yeah. Okay. So again, you're pretty young, man. Pretty, you know, pretty <coughs> forward, pretty forward thinking. Yeah. Because what are you now? Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Right. And so you've had a decade of living this life, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. You always get to a point where you're like oh i'm gonna have to stop now right really but oh i i kind of feel like that but then every you, year i'm like uh why would i stop doing why this? Why do you feel like that just because you feel like you get into a, a just an, getting, an age where yeah you're, you're getting a bit older and then it's like you're expiring kind of thing i don't know yeah um, I, I mean you're 30 I mean, and Jesus. get a get a real job <laughs> come on you're never but, gonna get a real job no <laughs> um but no i just keep doing it and i love it cool i wouldn't change anything now so you, you've mentioned you know earlier that you were seeing the work that you're doing for you know the production and all and like the projects that you're working on is, is almost like a bit of, bit of training for when you do stop skiing at the same level that you are now got any idea what you'd want to do um i'm not sure i mean like doing the production stuff uh is cool yeah um but I w like you know me and toby uh, I spend a lot of time with him in the office and whatever and it's like well we don't make ski movies just for us we make them for other people as well and helping that helps so many athletes by making a ski movie yeah. you know it gives them a platform to to show what they do and then they can show that to their sponsors and whatever so when we're like oh we're not making a movie it's like all those guys you know they go and do their own thing or whatever yeah and it's really nice to to make a platform set for everyone to to be with and to be able to go on trips with them and whatever yeah so i think you know helping other riders is pretty cool like i don't know if we if i would want to be a agent but definitely like helping young guys like advising them yeah. a bit is i like doing that so yeah i don't know i'm not too much into like coaching one of my friends, JT, uh, he he coaches, yeah, all year long now. Right. And uh, when you talk to him about, like the kids, like you know them learning things, like you can see, it, like he loves it. Yeah. Like, and when he starts explaining things, he's so passionate about it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, ah, oh, just I'm not that bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, well, it's good to know that, isn't it? Yeah. But but it, that's also because I'm like, oh well, I could be skiing myself. Yeah. Um. But helping kids, sort of on the business side of thing, yeah, uh, passing on that experience that you've, yeah, that you've learned is. I prefer I can do that rather than 
trying to tell someone else to, I don't know, 360. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, was there any point where you thought about trying to do that competitive, like, Olympic thing? Yeah, well, I, so we, we've made, we've been filming ski films since, like, 2010, or before that, 2008 or something, I don't know. Yeah. And then it, it got put in for Sochi, and, uh, and actually I, uh, had a meeting with Red Bull and they were like, yeah, yeah, you should definitely go for the Olympics. Right. And I was like, it was all the rage at the time, wasn't it? And I, yeah. And I was like, yeah, kind of, but I was already didn't like compete in slope style anymore. And I was like, oh, I kind of just want to keep filming and do my thing. And then, and I wouldn't say they made me do it, but they definitely asked me to do it yeah yeah so i did it and like started traveling with the gb team for like i don't know two two seasons i think yeah uh with pat sharples he was the coach and uh it was really cool like getting to hang out with all my friends and hang out with the snowboarders like yeah got to meet billy and everyone well it's good camaraderie among among the team yeah (laughs) yeah it's like a family yeah yeah Um, as we've seen this week yeah (laughs) um so it was amazing fun and uh yeah i enjoyed doing it but at the same time i was going to these competitions or going to training camps and then as soon as it was done i'd go ski backcountry go film yeah go free riding and uh it just got to a point where i was i wasn't getting better at either of them um so like my free riding was being affected by going on these like skiing park all the time and yeah okay I didn't so you, like it that much and i was yeah. like oh you know need to focus yeah i'll just concentrate on one thing yeah and yeah. i i think i had like i think i had like two comps left where i could have got the points to go to sochi and i was like the first one <laughs> i fell off a trampoline like the day before right. uh the training started and i like couldn't move my neck or anything and i was like oh, i can't compete and then i was like right well I, I need to get like a top 10 at the last competition to be able to uh to go there and i was like yeah that's probably not gonna happen so just packed it in and we went skiing yeah <laughs> okay right there you go so that's how it happened because i yeah because like i said earlier you could have you could have probably made that trip if you'd wanted to but yeah, yeah. and it's quite yeah, a, i think it's quite a mature decision as well to concentrate on one thing because when you I think that's like a I think a theme that's coming out in this in this podcast with the people that I'm interviewing. It's quite a habit people have, isn't it, to try loads of different things and and like you know to try and think you can like spread your energy across mm-hmm. like a lot of different things. But you know, one thing that's that everybody that's been successful that I've been speaking to has got in common is the focus, the, yeah. th- the decision. Like actually, I'm just going to concentrate on that. I'm going to put all my energy into that sort of area. And yeah, kind of pays off, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like Murray, uh, for example, he he skis halfpipe. That's it. Mm. And um, and that's what he Billy, focuses on. Billy and, and Rowan. Talking to Rowan Cooltas last night, and he was saying the same thing. Like, I mean, he's 20, so it's a bit different. But he was basically like, yeah, I'm going to do another cycle. You know, I'll be 24. See what's going on. Mm. Keep doing that. Yeah. I mean, the Olympics and whatever, it's super cool. Like, I've... A lot of respect to everyone that goes there and competes and whatever but it kind of like i don't know sucked everyone in basically and like i was watching the olympics this year and it's like you know 
all your friends are there and they're not allowed to wear the clothes that they want to wear and yeah. they're not allowed to represent the sponsors that pay them and they're you know competing for a big you know big tv show basically yeah. and the man behind it is yeah. you know reaping the benefits so well there is that there is that kind of worms <laughs> yeah i don't want to i don't want to talk about that but i don't know wait i mean it is it is very weird i mean all those big um you know international sporting events are, are mental really when you think about it when you you know countries pour money into facilities mm. even like something like the world cup i mean you know build stadiums and infrastructure and then it, it's done and you know they're like ghost towns and everyone's in debt and it's a, it's, it's a mad one really but i still watch it though Gotta yeah say. <laughs> <laughs> definitely if, if you know people are winning medals for the country then you know you have to get behind them and yeah 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 so um, one of the questions that I, um, I did ask a few people at the hill today i said i was interviewing you and um one of the questions was what would you be doing if you weren't skiing good question um i don't know i was really into uh graphics at school right so i reckon i would have probably yeah uh, gone to university and yeah just been a graphic designer i don't know yeah you're into like that. that yeah creative creative end of things yeah i still i mean i still do a lot of like photoshop stuff uh yeah for the movies that we do and are you quite involved in that end of it then yeah um so I, I still do some of it, but yeah, I reckon I, I was, I used to love doing art, but I got a D in it, right. <laughs> my GCSEs. Um, but yeah, my graphics, I think I got an A in graphics and I was like, quite similar things, right? Kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Maybe something graphics or maybe be a teacher. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And, um, Oh, that sounds like the prize giving. We should go and check it out. Yeah. Um, final question, which is a bit of a classic looking sideways question. Um, but what are you what are you proudest of in in your skiing life? Um, I'm not sure really. Like, I'm just proud to still have fun doing it. I guess. Like, you know, people burn out or people go on to do different things and I'm just happy to keep going and doing it with my friends, having fun. There's no, I don't think there's like one achievement where I'm like, oh, that's what I'm, that's it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm probably just happy to, for it to be my job and and for my parents to see me having fun and sort of having made it because uh, obviously they they probably thought oh you know what's what's Patrick going to do <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. I guess that's what I'm well they bite you though yeah no exactly and so. I love like actually the, no I think one thing was uh, my mum and dad came out to a um, a premiere in Munich this year right and uh, and that was a really nice moment yeah to, see, you know, to have them come and watch the movie and, and see what you'd created basically. yeah and like yeah see you have to do, do interviews and take yeah, pictures yeah. of kids and stuff yeah yeah, oh, that that's great, really man. Cool. Yeah, I bet they were super proud. But it sounds like what you enjoy about it is the, is the camaraderie, is, yeah. the, is the community. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, you know, like whether it's the Sheffield days, like the the UK scene that we were talking about, the trips we did, or, you know, like the, what you're doing now with Legs of Steel. It's all a bit, it seems like there's a bit of a community theme yeah. running yeah, through definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and everyone, 
I mean, everyone goes out for a drink at the end of it, don't they? <laughs> and that's a good time. Certainly true. It's really, uh, it's just a fun, I mean, it's an amazing scene really, isn't it? Like everyone's, yeah, just has a good time. No one, no one judges you too hard. <laughs> no, that's certainly true. Well, Paddy, thanks, man. You've got Thank to get you. back to Innsbruck, haven't you? Yeah, we're going to drive over there. We're going to do a little shoot on Friday, Saturday. Hopefully, I'll be able to ski. Yeah. Going to go see the physio tomorrow. But Yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for doing it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed that one. Great episode, I thought. Really enjoyed the insights from uh, Paddy into the point at which he set his sights higher. And I also found the chat about concentrating his energies on one thing really insightful. Definitely something that all successful people seem to have in common, I've noticed. And yeah, really, really into getting some background on the decision-making and confidence that led Paddy a lad from Sheffield, to the top of European skiing. It's a nice one, Paddy. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it, man. Look forward to seeing you soon. Anyway, right, so I've got a special housekeeping corner section this week. And I've got to say, this this one really stopped me in my tracks. So firstly, it was a handwritten letter, which I've not received in literally years. actually can't remember the last time I received a letter through the post that wasn't from the bank or whatever. And secondly, because, well, I mean... I might as well just read a bit out. So, dear Matt, I'm reaching out to you for a variety of reasons. Thought a creaky old snowboarder like you would appreciate a good old-fashioned letter in this day and age. I'm in my mid-twenties. Been an avid skateboarder and snowboarder since my early teens. In the last month, I discovered looking sideways. And it's safe to say, since first hearing your northern dulcet tones, right, I've been truly hooked. A few weeks ago, I stumbled upon the podcast, which while curled up in the fetal position, lying on the sofa, feeling like I'd been hit by a bus. To cut a long story short, 11 months ago, I rapidly developed a series of pretty unpleasant physical symptoms that manifest itself into an as yet undiagnosed autoimmune disease that attacks my joints and leaves me prone and in bed with chronic and extremely heavy fatigue. At the onset of all this, I was living and working in Melbourne, Australia, having a ball. But alas, for the last 10 months, I've had to moved back home to England and I've been holding my dad at my dad's try to slowly nurse myself back to health and in the meantime process what's happening to put it bluntly your podcast has been a ray of hope and light in what is an otherwise shite and unpleasant situation to find oneself in oneself in my life and world has dramatically changed in unforeseen ways in the last year however it's safe to say that the feelings of anguish, fear and isolation brought on by this Ill- illness have been immeasurably calmed and soothed by listening to the many hours of stories, tales and insights so generously provided by you and your guests. So many episodes have got me stoked from the inspiring tale of Sasha Ham to the amazing positivity and vision of Fergal Smith. Without buttering you up too much, your chameleon-like ability to navigate and engage such a broad spectrum of guests is no mean feat and shows testament that you actually give a toss about who you interview and the stories reaching your audience. Right, I'm going to stop there because um, you get the point. But I mean, wow, I just want to say, Jay Goat, thank you so much for that letter. Yeah, I mean, really did make my day, really. Obviously, I'm sorry to hear that you're having such a shit time, but yeah, um, just stoked, really, that you're getting so much out of it. And uh, thanks for letting me know. And um, yeah, keep on listening. It's basically cheesy as it is to say, stuff like that, that makes it, makes it worth doing really. So yeah, thanks man. Um, elsewhere, if you missed it, I dropped a bonus episode last week with friend of the podcast, Sophie Hellier, about the recent media shitstorm she found herself at the centre of. No show notes, no fuss or fanfare, 
just drop that one on SoundCloud, which means it will have ended up on your feed if you're subscribing through iTunes and all the rest. Um, while I was up in town doing that one, also managed to grab DJ Barbecue for another bonus episode with him. Keep an eye out for that one. So the easiest way of making sure you don't miss any of these, whether normal or bonus, is to subscribe via your usual podcast purveyor because then it's just going to drop into your feed. You know what to do. You don't need me to tell you about that. And if you're keeping an eye on my social feeds and actually somebody that listens to the end of these podcasts, um, and not everybody does, as the stats tell you. I mean, I don't with all mine, so whatever. But anyway, you might have noticed that I launched my first range of T-shirts last week and I've even, I've even sold some. Quite a few, actually. So massive thanks to everybody who's bought one to support the show. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to do something positive to help me keep it going, then that is a good way of doing it. Get yourself over to lookinsideways.tmill.com and get representing. If you're not up for that, you still want to help get the thing shared on social. Yeah, that would be great if people enjoy it, if they could share it because it does work, as I say, every week. Um, okay, that's it for this time. Thanks, Paddy, for coming on the show. Massive thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, I'll see you next time. I am actually interviewing Shauna Coxey this Wednesday, which uh, I'm very much looking forward to. Um, and then I've got a couple more Swiss Omnibus episodes. And then we're in May, and then I'm nearly at episode 50. Got a nice one planned for episode 50, actually, which I think everyone's going to enjoy. I'm um, not going to say any more than that. But yeah, anyway, nice one. I'll see you next time. <laughs>